Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Yes, that's a customary thing to say when, when we get back, or when I say good evening, you say good evening back, and, and uh, then it's all nice and, and happy like that. So that's good. Hey, we are in the second week of um, a prologue to Pathways, which starts next week, and we're calling it Pathways Pre. And basically, we are getting ramped up for um, our annual uh, spiritual transformation uh, series that we do each and every fall. And um, just to catch you up, last week we really talked about what the church, E3 and the church down the street and the church, you know, in China, what we are called to do. And we introduced a new logo, which you can see up there and you can see on the on the pillars, but I know you guys love how I draw, so I'm going to bless you guys with a little bit of artwork here. So there, there we go. It is. I was instructed I needed to, to do it with excellence, so uh, I, I worked a little bit on it, so worked all afternoon on my perfecting my arrow. And basically to us, what this symbol represents is our call as the church to make, mature, and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, what does a fully devoted follower of Christ look like? Well, we believe that that is found in the great commandment um, in Mark chapter 12, to love God with all of your, you can say it with me, heart, your soul, your mind, all your strength, and to love others. So that's, that's encompassing who we are meant to be as followers of Christ. What you know, we would consider a fully devoted follower of Christ is someone who loves God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength, and loves others as their self. And then the outer ring is what we are going to talk about this evening. And the outer ring is really what makes E3 E3. That that. You look in the Bible and you look at the letters that, that Paul wrote to each of the churches. And each church, they were all called to make mature and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. But they also each had defining characteristics that, that really encapsulated who they were in Christ. As they, as they lived these things out, how did they do it in a unique way? And... Um, uh, you know, in the, some churches he would talk about their generosity, others he would talk about their hospitality and different things like that. And uh, several months ago that the staff and I, we went on, a, on an advance. A lot of people go on retreats, but we don't want to retreat from the cause of Christ. We want to advance the cause of Christ. So we went on an advance and we really talked about, you know, what are the characteristics of E3, because when we started E3 um, almost seven years ago, there was only a few people, and a few people put their fingerprints on, on this place, but this place is, you know, has all of your fingerprints on it now, and it has changed who we are. So those in the symbol, the outside thing is the seven. I'm just guessing there. It's about seven, right? And uh, there goes the excellence, right? I got, I get distracted, and uh, so, so we're going to be talking about that tonight. But before we do that, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to somebody, preferably someone you do not know, 
Make sure you know their name and, and ask them this question. What qualities do you admire in a person? You know, as followers of Christ, as, as individuals, we, we have unique characteristics. And one of my favorite verses uh, in the Bible, which I share a lot, is found in Ephesians 2.10, where Paul writes that we are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus to do the things that he had planned for us long ago. And I love this idea of, of us being masterpieces and this idea of, you know, what is a masterpiece? Well, a masterpiece, number one, is unique, right? That, that it's, not a, it's not a copy of something else. It, it, it's not a print. That the actual masterpiece is unique, also a masterpiece is not perfect that's something that is perfect is not a masterpiece you know there's there's things that machines and computers make that are that are perfect but they're not a masterpiece that that perfection is not a quality of of a masterpiece uh we also know that that masterpieces uh are a gift in order for it to be a masterpiece, it's a gift to, to the world that, that changes the recipient. And I think about all of these kind of things as, as, as Paul talks about how we are masterpieces. You are a masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do the great things, the good things that he had planned for you long ago. And thinking about really how that impacts us and, and what that looks like how we are a gift to the world that 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 we're unique in 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 how we're created and i was thinking about this place and is as a collection of of masterpieces and you think about about you know like louvre and different places that that we'd like to go or we have gone where we get to experience the actual masterpieces uh, and there's, there's a certain amount of mystique and, and, and draw to these kind of places because they, they house something so magnificent. And that idea of we as the church, that we're a gallery, that we're a collection of these masterpieces, all unique. And I was thinking about, about the uniqueness in us and the different unique features. You know, we, we uh, may be followers of Christ, but we're also unique. Like I was thinking about the fingerprint. And the fingerprint is like an amazing thing, to me at least. You think about, about the fingerprint, and, and each one is unique. You know, billions of people who've been on this planet, who are on this planet, and not one person has the same fingerprint. That they are all unique. Even identical twins have different fingerprints. The other thing about fingerprints, and I was like looking at my hands, and you know, there's the fingerprints that, that came from my DNA, right? They, they came from my inside. But also, you look at my, at my hands and my fingerprints that I have cuts and scars on them. And, and that's part of me these are these these scars carry the story of my life some of that is carelessness 
you know, but, but, you know, isn't that true in, in our lives? And we look at, we look at our fingerprints and, and there's the internal that makes them beautiful and unique. And then there's the external things that happen to our fingerprints that, that make them beautiful and unique. And during our advance, we really wanted to talk about, you know, what, what are those things? What are those fingerprints that all of you have put on this place in the past seven years, some of you a day, some of you for seven years, you know, how, how has your fingerprints, your unique beauty changed this place? And we came up with seven different kind of attributes or characteristics that are identifiable uh, here at E3. And we asked actually uh, artists in our own community to to bring those a lot to life uh, through through paint and media and through photography, and you see those behind me. But like I was saying, that there's there's seven of them, and uh, I want to just give you a kind of a quick overview of what the seven are. Uh, the first one is intentional, and then the s- second one is culturally current. The third one is hospitality. The fourth one is authenticity. The fifth one is relational. The sixth one is grace. And the last one is excellence. And each and every one of us, as we we charge forward and, and we embody what we're meant to do, what God has called us to do to make mature and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ, that, that our, our community has, has become unique in how we carry that out. And the cool thing is that we, after coming up with these, we were just kind of messing around and, and we came up with uh, an acronym taking off the, the first letter of, of each word. And we were able to make a logo out of it. It, it spells I charge. And if you look at this logo, you have the the seven, which reminds us that there's seven, but also it kind of looks like a funky eye. But the cool thing is it also looks like a little guy charging. And and you think about about that, and and really, we as, as the church, that we need to be charging forward to making people and maturing people and mobilizing people to live out the life that God has envisioned for them, to encourage them and equip them and edify God in everything that we do. And to know that in concert, when we're, we're running toward this goal, that there's, there's kind of things that we as a community have become and that are governing kind of principles of how we live out our lives in this place. In the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking a lot about these things and looking in the Word of God and just really pulling out, like, where, where do these things come from? How are these different values, these, these DNA, this DNA sequence unique to us and how is this glorifying to God so I wanted just to kind of give you a a 30,000 foot view this evening of kind of where we're going to be going in the next seven weeks and and just kind of talk a little bit about each one of these and the cool thing is as we start next week we're going to be actually bringing out the originals to each one of these uh, pieces of art we're hoping that uh, each week you'll be able to meet the artist 
who uh, put it together and, and kind of hear about their heart and, and where they were going with it. But the first one is intentional. And in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, Paul writes this, All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I am not like a boxer who misses his punches. You know, the eye and in, in eye charge, intentional, it's, it's one of the hardest things in our community to uphold because, you know, there, there's constantly good people coming up with good ideas. But you know what? If you spend your, you could spend your whole life doing good things and miss the best thing. And that is what God has envisioned for you. And here's the problem, that, that when we do, we say yes to good things. When we just, we hear a good thing, go, well, that's a good thing to be part of. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, yes, oh, that's another good thing. I'm going to go be part of that. You know what happens when you say yes to all the good things is what you're actually doing is saying no to the best thing. And that's what God has called you to do. Your unique fingerprint. Your place in the, in the gallery to be illuminated as a masterpiece. And that's why intentionality is so important. The C and I charge is culturally current. You know, I like to think that, that E3 is a place where people can come and investigate the claims of Christ without leaving the 21st century to do it. That, that you know, it has been my experience that, that people get very comfortable in the culture in which they exist. But when we do that, time keeps on moving. And it is imperative for us to make mature and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ that, that we are immersed in the culture in which God has put us. And it is ridiculous to think that some form of worship at some period of time or in, in some culture or some place is the only way to worship God. You know, all you have to do to see that, you know what, we, do, we, we come and we, we worship God in a certain way here at E3. You know, a great way to see that, you know what, that's a way and not the way is to go to Africa or go to China or go to Guatemala and attend, um, you know, a church and a body of believers somewhere else in the world. They, they, their expression of their love for God is completely different than our own. But it is every bit is valid. And this becomes important because we need to speak into the heart language of people. Here in our culture and anywhere else that we go. And you think about it, if you wanted to go be a missionary, right? And you were going to go uh, you know, into Mexico or you were going to go to Nigeria or something like that. You know, 
wouldn't it make more sense for you to learn their language, learn their culture, learn their customs in order to earn the relational right to speak truth and love into their life? But so often that, that the American church has come to a place we've been stuck in a certain time period, in a certain culture. And what we're telling people is, look, in order for you to come to Christ, you first must come to our culture. You need to accept the way that we do things and, and, and how we go about it and how we sing and everything. And it can be completely foreign to where someone is at. And that's why it's so imperative that, that we adapt to people's culture and people's heart language and we meet them where they're at in order to, for them to be transformed. Paul talks about it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 19 he says, I have become all things to all men so that by all me, possible means I might save some. This whole idea of, you know what? If organs are cool, if that's, you know, if people are going to organ bars and, and you know, they're listening to organ music on the radio and that's kind of their, their heart language, then, then cool. You know what? That's fine. But, but if that's not people's heart language, if that's not where they're at, then we need to adapt to what makes sense to them. Not, not to just, you know, just try to identify with them in, in a like, hey, we're a cool church and stuff like that. But to, to remove the barriers for them to hop over in order to investigate the claims of Christ. The next one in I charge is H is hospitality. You know, I think about a lot of times, you know, this place and, and how we try to go out of our way to, to, to practice this, this value of hospitality. That we've, you know, we've, we give people, you know, we try to be generous and give people coffee and, and, and space and, and things like that. And the whole idea behind that is, is that we want to welcome people here and we want people to feel welcome to and, and safe to build relationships with one another. And we want to look at this, this place as, as really an extension of our homes. And, and throughout the years, believe me, there's been people who are like, you know, you need to charge for coffee. It costs a lot of money to to, uh, you know, do all this coffee and the lattes and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's always the people that don't drink coffee. They, they're like, eh, you know, we're coffee, blah, blah, blah. But all that kind of stuff. And I, I always think about it this way. If I invited you over to my home, I'm like, hey, you know, this is where I am. And, and you know, there's some things that I would do if you were coming over to my home. I would give you directions. I'd tell you what time to come over. I would make sure that the porch light was on for you. That, that when you arrived, I, I would welcome you in. And I would offer you something to drink. And we would hang out and, and we would talk. 
And it would be unconscionable for me to, to do all that. And then when you come in and, and I sit down and I'm drinking a nice, you know, cup of coffee and you're kind of looking at it and go, hey, can I have a cup of coffee? And I'm like, sure. You want a small, medium, or large? Oh, I'll take a medium. Okay, that'll be 250 I mean, it's just, it's like, you'd be like, what? I mean, it just, it would be ridiculous for us to do that. That's not hospitality. In this place that, that, you know what hospitality is? It's sacrifice. It's sacrificing for the needs of others. In Romans uh, chapter 12 and verse 13 says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, I think a lot of people think need. Okay, what, what is need? Oh, they're, you know, they're, they're in need of some food or they're you know, in need of some money. That's a very superficial way to look at need. You know, we all have emotional needs. We have physical needs. We have spiritual needs. We have intellectual needs. And that we need to be eager to meet people's needs that that all of us through this life that we're we're burdened with heavy things and and we need to carry one another's burdens and we need to sacrifice in order to allow people in to our community and to find relationship not only with us but relationship a relationship with god the next one is authenticity and, you know, authenticity is really hard for a lot of people because I think a lot of times people throughout their life have been burned by being authentic, too authentic with somebody. And there's not a week it goes by that, that, that somebody won't sit down with me and say, Mark, I'm going to be authentic with you. And I haven't been that with anybody for a very long time. And then they'll, they'll share something with me about what is going on in their life. And I think, and I'm like, wow. How do we get to a place where people are afraid to reveal their soul in a place that is meant to be about the love of God? And to have a place where, where we can come and we can talk about our challenges and our hurts and our hang-ups and our burdens without the fear of rejection. See, the truth is that all of us have brokenness inside. We all have manifestations of different coping mechanisms. And we all are dealing and trying to go through life as best as we can. And, and there's got to be a place in this world that we can drop the facade and really talk about the true us. And if it's not this place, I do not know where that place exists. This is why it's just imperative that this becomes or is a place 
that we can talk about our deepest, darkest things without the fear of rejection. Because the last thing the world needs is another place where you have to put on a pretty face in order to be accepted. Paul writes it like this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example this idea of, you know what? We are going to laugh together. We are going to cry together. We are going to move forward together. That we are going to learn from one another and encourage one another. And we are go- know that we are going to operate on an honest level with one another. The next one is relational. And we've talked a lot about this in the, in the great commandment that Jesus says, look, the most important thing is relationships. Having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people. I have gone so far to say everything else is commentary. And believe me, I've had pushback on that. But all commentary means is an explanation of, of what has just been said. That's all a commentary is. It's trying to explain what that is. And Jesus says, look, all the other commandments, all the other prophets, that, that basically they're expanding on this central truth. That having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people is the most important thing in life. And all these other commands are just explaining, you know, and trying to illustrate how do we live that out. I can tell you from countless conversations with people and from personal experience that it doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank. It does not matter what your zip code is. It does not matter what you drive. If your relationships aren't right, none of those things matter. And I just told someone this evening, I said, you know what? I'd rather live in a one-bedroom apartment with my wife and two kids and have a right relationship with them and walk to work and all that kind of stuff than to live in a mansion and drive a beautiful car and have a broken relationship with God, my family, and people. It is that important. If you do not have right relationships, nothing else matters. The next one is grace. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You know, one thing that really balances out authenticity is this idea of grace. This idea that when somebody is authentic with you and really opens up to you and tells you about how they messed up, that, that we're able to be authentic and go, whew, that was an epic fail. <laughs> you know, that was... That was, that was Really, you know, you must have worked very hard to fail that bad. But that's okay. Because, you know what, God is a God of second chances. And that 
there's space here that, you know what, God has forgiven me for a lot. God has forgiven everyone else for a lot. I have been personally forgiven by others for a lot. And this place is a place where we can be real about our failures and know that we're not going to be rejected and we are going to find grace and that we are going to relationally come back up together and help us move back toward the vision that God has for our lives. And then finally, excellence. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's written, so whenever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This idea of everything we do, whether it's eating or drinking, if it's you know, being an EMT or a student or, or a nurse or a business person, a teacher, you work in a hotel, everything that we do is elevated to the level of we are doing it as an act of worship to God. And that means from from you know, how I teach, to how the band plays, to how we serve coffee, to what this place looks like. As we as a community say, you know what, everything we do communicates who we believe God is. And that we want to do things, we want to give God our best offering. Now, a lot of confusion can come in here because it's like, well, E3 is not perfect. Absolutely, it's not perfect. And kind of go back to the idea of a masterpiece, right? That we're not talking about perfection, the trap of perfectionism. What excellence is, is doing the best you can with the resources that God has entrusted you with. I remember early on in E3, somebody took us to, took me personally to task about excellence and, and this idea, and they, they, pointed to this one of these tables and they said well look at this table this table isn't excellent it's wobbly and it's made out of plywood and and all this kind of stuff and I looked at it and I I said you know what this table is excellent because you know what at at that time this was the the best that we could do with the resources that God has entrusted to us that somebody actually spent their time to make that table, that the artists in our community actually took the time to paint the plywood. And I am more than happy to stand in front of my Creator someday with my table, with a table, and say, God, you know what? This is my best offering. Not that I actually did anything, but, but our best offering to you and thinking it through in every aspect of how we do because it communicates who we believe God to be. And if, and if God truly loved us so much that He gave His best to us, His Son, that, that we should be overwhelmed with love and gratitude that we want to give Him our best. Now, I was thinking about this whole idea of charging. I charge, you charge, we charge toward being fully devoted followers of Christ. And it reminded me of uh, 
of a part of a book uh, written by one of my favorite authors, Erwin McManus. And he wrote in The Barbarian Way about, about this idea of charging toward a goal. And I just wanted to read you this, this excerpt. He writes, A few years ago, I took my kids to a wildlife park near San Diego. As we rode on a tram through the open terrain, a guide pointed out the unique features of the different species that we encountered. I suppose I always knew it in part, but I had not come to realize how most groups of animals have unique names or designations when they dwell together. With insects, most of us know that bees are called swarms and ants are called colonies. Among ocean life, I was aware that whales are pods and fish are schools, cattle are herds, birds are flocks, and if you watch The Lion King, you all know that lions are a pride. If you grew up in the country, you might know that crows are murderers. Yeah, Maybe the most unnerving one is an ambush of tigers. I was surprised to learn a group of buzzards waiting around together to feast on leftover carnage is called a committee. (laughs) He says, this explains so much of what's going on in churches. A lot of committees waiting around to live off human carnage. (laughs) Flamingos are called flamboyants, which for some reason reminds me of TV evangelists. And the less glamorous owls are known as parliaments. They do seem sort of British. And then finally, where he's going with this, he says, but my favorite of all the group designations is for rhinos. You see, rhinos can run 30 miles an hour, which is pretty fast when you consider how much weight they're pulling. They're actually faster than squirrels which can run up to 26 miles an hour. And even then, who is going to live in dread of a charging squirrel, right? (laughs) Running at 30 miles an hour is faster than a used pinot will go. Just one problem with this phenomenon. Rhinos can only see 30 feet in front of them. Can you imagine something that large moving in concert as a group? Plowing ahead at 30 miles an hour with no idea what it's at, 31 feet. You would think that they would be far too timid to pick up steam. That their inability to see far enough ahead would paralyze them into immobility. But with that horn pointing the way, rhinos run forward full steam ahead without apprehension, which leads us to their name. Rhinos moving together at full speed are known as a crash. Even when they're just hanging around the watershed, they're called a crash because of their potential. You've got to love that. I think that that's what we're supposed to be. That's what happens when we become barbarians and shake free of the domestication and civility. The church becomes a crash. We become an unstoppable force. We don't have to pretend we know the future. Who cares what, that we only see 30 feet ahead? Whatever is at 31 feet needs to care. That we're coming and they better get out of our way. And I love this idea of the second largest land mammal on earth 
that they are running in concert and they're running 30 miles per hour and they're charging forward, but they only can see 30 feet in front of them. And I believe as we embark on this journey next week, that as we learn to run like rhinos together, as we come together and say, you know what, we charge together and this is how we do it. That we're intentional in every step that we take, that we're going to be culturally current, that we are going to sacrifice for the good of others and show hospitality. That we're going to be a real place for real people with authenticity. That we are going to focus on having a right relationship with God and people. That we are going to show grace when people fall. And that we are going to give our best offering every time to our God. And as I charge, you charge, we all charge together like a bunch of rhinos moving 30 miles per hour with only seeing 30 feet in front of us. We do not care what is at 31 feet. Because whatever is at 31 feet better get out of our way. The band's going to be coming back up. And like I've said, over the past seven years, your fingerprints has moved and changed this place into what it is today and what it is becoming. And we wanted to mark that and some artists in our, in our community and, and we want to come together and kind of just illustrate that in an artistic piece. So over the next few songs, this is what I'd like you to do. If, if this is a journey that you want to go on, if you want to learn to, to charge like a rhino, if you want to, if you believe that you're meant to be part of this community and that you are going to go on this journey of pathways with us, I'd like you to come up. And I, each one of you were given a glass tile when you walked in. I know some of you came in a little bit late. We can get you a glass tile if you don't have one. And bring it up to one of the tables. There'll be a couple of people at each table. And what we're going to be doing is putting your fingerprint on one of these glass tiles and then uh, the art, some artists in our community are, are going to be taking these glass tiles and, and, and making a piece out of it uh, over the next seven weeks. So if you want to go on this journey, it's kind of a way to say, you know what, God, I'm committing these next seven weeks with, to journey with this community to, to desperately seek out who you've called me to be and who you've called me to be in this place. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, Thank you for this place. Thank you for the imagery that, that you give us. Just all around us, you are speaking to us. That all of nature cries out about your glory and greatness. God, I just pray as we embark next week on Pathways Prime, that you will just open up our hearts and minds to what you have for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.